Welcome to another edition of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. I'm your host, Gazette Hawkeyes reporter, John Steppe. I am joined today by Tom Caker, the publisher of HawkeyeReport.com, the Iowa affiliate of the Rivals Network. Tom, thanks for joining me today. Always enjoy coming on with you, John. Thank you. We're still talking football. We're still yes. talking football game. We didn't think we'd be doing this a week ago, did we? No, I certainly didn't think so four weeks ago. No. When no. it was wouldn't have, wouldn't have six and two, I was thinking, oh, this, yeah, I wouldn't book any hotel reservations <laughs> to Indy. And now I kind of wish that I did. I know it's a little more expensive. And now, we, you know, some of us have to like, <laughs> it's a commute now. It's a, <laughs> a big commute, right? Yeah. So first things first, before we get to the big game on Saturday, the big news out of Iowa City yesterday, Deuce Hogan, the highly anticipated recruit who is really credited with helping recruit other athletes in his recruiting class, seemed to be kind of a fan favorite too. Um, Granted, nobody's more popular than the backup quarterback, but the popular guy. Um, put his name in the transfer portal, and that leaves Iowa with one less quarterback. Can't say it's really a huge surprise, but um, the news finally hit yesterday. Yeah, it, it wasn't a surprise. Maybe the surprise was that it happened right now. Before um, Saturday, too. And we, yeah, and, and it did Kirk's comments, you know, about – Maybe I would have, essentially, maybe I would have stayed home if we had to play a third string quarterback and he named him and he apologized to him mm-hmm. for it. And he, you know, talked about it uh, on, on Tuesday at his press conference and, and said, hey, I shouldn't have named him. I should have just said third string or whatever. Um, but is what it is. Um, to me, it tells me that Deuce was already going to leave and maybe this moved along quicker. Um, just that he would, you know, here's the thing, quarterbacks, you can only play one at a time. Uh, although I was played two in games, you know, twice. This but that's year. rare. It's and rare. That hasn't it's, happened in a long time before this. It is so rare. Um, really the last time Iowa did the kind of the two quarterback routine was the, the tax slayer bowl when they were auditioning, uh, you know, Jake Rudock and, and CJ Beathard and going two series. And then the other guy got two series and they used the bowl game as kind of a, let's see what, if we can figure out who's going to be the quarterback. And then it ended up being, you know, then Kirk issued that depth chart in early January, uh, which never had happened before. And it basically, it was just to announce that, uh, that CJ Beathard was the quarterback. And then right after that, Jake Rudock uh, was transferring. So it, you know, basically these guys want to play and he sees that he's behind Spencer and Spencer's going to be around for, you know, at least one more year. And Padilla is going to be around for a while. And, you know, frankly, I've heard, you know, I've shared this before I've uh, on our boards and, and on our podcast, I've heard some really, really good things all year about Joey Labus, the, the uh, uh, freshman quarterback, he's run scout team, but, He's, you know, just say that they really like him and, and kind of the, you know, the, the way he's handling himself. And um, 
I, I think he was going to be pushing Deuce for that third spot. And he probably knew that. And, you know, I think Deuce just wants to play, you know, and, and yeah. fans, fans get caught up sometimes and it's partly our fault. Gave him four, you know, the rivals gave him four stars and everybody thinks four star quarterback. He's going to be a superstar. Uh, why isn't he playing? Uh, I mean, I got so many questions about Deuce in the offseason. It was, you know, and nobody really talked about Padilla, but it was always they should play Deuce. They should. Well, and I'd always say, what have you seen from him uh, in an Iowa uniform that suggests he should start over Spencer or anybody? You know, you just get these limited views of him. So anyway, I wish Deuce well. He's a nice kid. Um, and um, perhaps there's more of an opportunity for him to play. Uh, you know, back home in Texas, some, you know, a school back there or, um, you know, someplace that, that just gives him an opportunity. He'll get an opportunity somewhere and I, and I wish him well. Yeah. And the thing too, with kind of recruiting stars is I think, I mean, you'll be the first one to admit that that's not an exact science no. there. Yeah, it's not, it's, uh, you know, for everyone that, uh, that, that we get right. Um, you know, like, a you know, Hey, AJ Epinesa was a five-star. Well, no kidding. <laughs> Look at him. But for one of those, there's a, you know, Micah Hyder, somebody like that, who is a two-star that ends up being great. Or, you know, a, a good example uh, on the current team, Riley Moss was just a, oh, yeah. you know, a late guy that they got. And, you know, look at him. Uh, yesterday, he's named the top defensive back in the Big Ten. It's awesome yeah. for him. And just Iowa has a tendency to – disprove the stars matter now I, I do think they do but mm-hmm. you know it's also um I always think if you want a true evaluation of a player you do that star assignment on on players after their career is done at the end of four years or three years in or whatever you can kind of say yeah we missed on that one he's a four star he's really a four star you know we're just projecting when they're coming in so and Kevon Merriweather is another great example there Kevon was yeah team. yeah he was a lightly recruited football player he was more of a basketball player to be honest when he was in high school and um you know he was talking about that one of the guys on the Michigan team he was AAU teammates with in eighth grade or whatever and um yeah it, it they just they come from all different places and uh, there's always different paths, you know, Jack Kerner walk on, you know, the um, just, it, it's, it's interesting how guys find play. You know, Seth Benson was, you know, he was a FCS kid until Iowa offered him. I mean, there's just, there's all kinds Charlie of guys Jones too. Another great example. Charlie Jones. Buffalo. Yeah. There's just, yeah. there's all kinds of different paths to, um, to success. And um you know, that's, that's what makes college football fun. That's what makes following it fun. I think it's just the stories that emerge out of nowhere. Um, the guys that end up being great players that were really lightly recruited, um, in the, in the recruiting process. And speaking of Kayvon and Michigan, he'll be going up against that AU teammate this weekend, it's a unique opportunity here. You know, this, these games don't happen every day. Last one is 2015. If Iowa is able to somehow pull off the upset, it'd be their first title since I think it's Oh four. So it's, this is a pretty unique opportunity here. And 
Yes, Iowa is certainly the underdog here, but even just making it is a big statement here for the Iowa program. It, it is because this was, you know, like the, you talked about earlier, four weeks ago, it just didn't seem like it was in the cards at all. And, and it, it ended up working out for them uh, thanks to, uh, you know, a win, a comeback. It had to be, you know, the classic Iowa way, a comeback win against Nebraska. <laughs> you know, when they were dead, Iowa was dead in the water. We were sitting in that press box, John, and it was, they were oh, dead yeah. in the water. And then the block punt changed everything. Um, you, you could just feel the the air suck out of uh, Memorial Stadium at that point. And the Nebraska fans, you know, I heard one of them up in the press box. Uh, you know, somebody said, oh, no, here we go again. And <laughs> they just knew what was happening. And then Saturday, you see Minnesota um, take care of business. And, and that was terrific for, for Iowa um, that they're, they're getting this opportunity. Now, they, it's the second time they've made it. Both times they played school, schools from Michigan. Uh, which is uh, interesting. Um, Especially think, considering how Ohio State is considered the top team in the East. 100%. Yeah. To then yeah. get the two Michigan schools, kind of two favorable draws there. Yeah. And, you know, the quarterbacks who are more game manager than, um, than superstar, you know, back in the 15 team, it was Connor Cook for Michigan State. This year it's Cade McNamara. Um, and and they, they're built around the ground game. Uh, you know, with that Michigan team, like LJ Scott was uh, the great guy. And then uh, this year it's Hassan Haskins and you also got Blake Quorum. Uh, and those guys are really good. I mean, you don't just run for almost 300 yards against Ohio State and not be good. I mean, that's yeah. they they dominated that Ohio State team and, and myself included. I think everybody else in the college football world was penciling boy, maybe Ohio State can give Georgia a tough game. And, you know, they were just rolling. I, I, yeah. I joked all last week. I'm like, boy, I don't even know if I'd want Iowa to make the Big Ten title game because what would happen if they get thrown in front of that Ohio State bus that's just rolling down the highway at 100 miles an hour scoring points? Like, I mean, that 49 points in, against Michigan State in the first half was just – that was something. I mean, yeah. that's, that's frightening. And – but Michigan – Got them. They just out toughed them, and and uh, and here we are. And you wonder maybe if the snow did a little bit of a favor to Iowa there, because you kind of wonder if that snowy conditions weren't happening, if maybe Ohio State's offense moves a little more efficiently, maybe a different set of circumstances, and then you'd have Ohio State's offense going up against. Uh, well, they're, yeah, their offense going up against a defense that forces turnovers, but still that could get ugly pretty fast when you look at who they have at quarterback, at running back, at offensive line, at wide receiver, kind of just across the board. That's a yeah. stacked team. So yeah, on Ohio state, it's almost like you got to plan on having a shootout with them. And I was not built for shootouts. They're just not. Um, but this is a game that I always, I always joke, you know, I like, I like boxing but I always, and, and combat sports and stuff like that. And I always say styles make great, great fights. And this is a good style fight for Iowa because Michigan's old school. They just want to come up. They're going to punch you in the mouth. They're going to play tough defense. They're going to get after it there. They're going to hit you hard and they're going to run the ball. They're not a big air it out kind of team. They're just, they're a ground and pound and, that's kind of Iowa as well. 
So it's just going to come down to, um, you know, they're also really good on special teams. I mean, their punters yeah. are really good. Um, you know, Moody is a finalist for the Groza Award. Um, so they're really good in that area as well, just like Iowa. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's a lot of commonality there. And it just comes, it's going to come down to who can make a play, who can, who can make less mistakes, who can win first and second down and sustain drives. And that's, that's who's going to end up winning this game. And I think the interesting kind of positional battle that I'll be really following is that Iowa offensive line versus the Michigan defensive line. Aiden Hutchinson is no easy player to go up against. I think I saw one mock draft that Ethan said he was projected to be the number one overall pick. I think that might be a little, a little bullish, but still he's probably going to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft higher than Linderbaum. And Linderbaum... As everyone knows who is listening to this, is one of the best offensive linemen in the country. So that's that's going to be a difficult challenge for Iowa when the inexperience there really is at both tackle positions to then have to deal with him and Ojabo on the other side too. Yeah, those guys have combined for 24 sacks. And, and I the first thought with Aiden Hutchinson is, you know, we we saw the Purdue game and we saw what Karloftis did. Now, Karloftis, did, I think he was credited with like one tackle in the game, which is insane because he was just spending the entire game in, in Spencer Petrus's grill. And um, we saw he wrecked Iowa that day. He wrecked yeah. Iowa's offense solely on his own, wrecked Iowa's, Iowa's offense. And um, Hutchinson's probably a little bit better than Karloftis. They're both, you know, first round NFL draft picks. Um, but now, you, and you got Ojabo on the other side. I mean, that's, that's some frightening stuff for those young tackles. Uh, you know, I was talking to uh, Tyler Goodson about that yesterday because he's going to, he and Gavin Williams and Potty Bomb are going to have to, and, and probably Laporta and Lachey, they're going to have to chip on that edge and, oh, yeah. and help them help, try and keep Spencer upright uh, because those guys could, I mean, you look at what Hutchinson did in that Ohio state game. I think it was pro football focus had the number where it was the most pressures by a single person ever since they've been cataloging this. He had like 15 quarterback pressures. It's crazy. I mean, and that's is, going up against Ohio state's offensive line too. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, it's frightening um, it, from an Iowa perspective they're going to have to figure out a way to somewhat neutralize him. I don't think you can stop him, but you can lessen his impact on the game. They're going to have to try and find a way to do that. And boy, that's, that's to me, that's the key matchup of the game. It really is, is can I was offensive line build a run game? Can they um, protect Spencer enough to get him time? They're going to have to run a lot of quick game. I think, some screens because they're going to, you know, just let those guys go and, um, and just run some screen games with, with Tyler. Uh, I, I think that that is a possibility. Um, but I, you know, and you got to mix in some shots, but I don't know how you're going to get the many of those you're going to get. Um, I think rollout game might be important too um, with Spencer and Spencer did a little more rolling out, I noticed, against Nebraska than in some previous games. So he, 
he maybe improved a little bit on that while he had the time behind Padilla. Yeah. Um, and I think that's going to be really important too, is to get him outside the pocket. Sometimes you got to move it um, because then you can at least take one of those guys out of play a little bit. Uh, but that's, that's the challenge. The challenge is um, can Iowa. And the other thing that I'm looking at when I'm coming into this game is that we've seen it the last couple of games, I was kind of been average at best early in games. On oh, defense. yeah. They've given up, you know, the Illinois game, they gave up 10 points early, and, and then Charlie Jones changes the game with special teams play. And, and Minnesota, then, 200 yeah. rushing yards in the first three quarters. Yeah, and and then you look at um, last week with Nebraska, um, you know, the Smothers kid was, was running wild for a lot of that game, and they've got a – Phil always makes an adjustment, and it, it gets there eventually, and they win that fourth quarter battle, and they – kind of figure it out, but they can't wait till if they do that against Michigan, it's going to be, you know, 28, seven at the half, if they don't buckle down quick. And that's, that's not a hill. I don't think they can climb. I, you know, you could climb that against Nebraska because Nebraska finds a way to lose games. Michigan won't find a way to lose it. Yeah. Yeah. They'll let you back in. Half the staff is interim. Yeah. After. (laughs) Well, maybe not quite 50%, but a lot of them are. Well, at least four of them. And it's still, it's still, that's still crazy to me that they let those guys go at that point. Just inside. (laughs) It's not the win football games the rest of the year. That's for sure. No, but it'll be an interesting matchup. Um, I think running wise, I was been doing a lot of jet sweeps, but I don't know how much success you can have on that when you don't have the help from the tackles there. So we'll see what they maybe you know, some interior running, but even yeah. the interior of Michigan's off defensive line is really good. They have, I was found success running the inside zone and, and running behind shot and, and Linderbaum. And I think that's where you got to go. Uh, and they've lived there uh, pretty well. Uh, and I'll take my chances running behind Linderbaum uh, any day of the week. Uh, because I think he'll win that battle nine times out of 10. Um, but the outside zone's just been, it's been lost. I mean, every, it's like um, half the time uh, Goodson's tackled for a four yard loss, three yard loss. And, um, and that's been such a bread and butter play for them, the, the outside zone. And it, it's just, it's not clicked this year and they still run it. And I remember asking Tyler or, or asking uh, Litterbaum a couple of weeks ago about the outside zone and what's going on there. And he goes, we'll still run it. <laughs> we'll still run it. You know, we're going to still run it. Consistent. Like, yeah. yeah they got to do it. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting matchup. I think with this defensive front against Michigan's running game, because Iowa statistically has been one of the better teams at slowing down the run and credit there because it's not an experienced defensive line necessarily as much as it's been in past years. So credit there to that position group and um, I mean, Calvin Bell and Neiman and um, kind of that whole staff there to have that group going. They have exceeded my expectations coming, coming into the season. Um, uh, cause I had a lot of questions, um, about how good that group could be, you know, how good is, 
um, how good are, are those guys going to be able to, are they going to be able to sustain it? We knew Van Valkenburg would be okay. Um, mm-hmm. But how much depth did they have? And, they, and some of that depth took a, took a hit with, you know, like Ethan Herkett um, getting hurt uh, early in the year, Logan Jones slow to come back and they were counting on him, I think at D tackle, but, but they have really um, kind of ramped it up and, and Logan Lee's played really well. You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Logan Lee guy. He's from my area. Uh, so in on special teams too, with the, um, the black field goal, I think that was against Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's playing well. Uh, Lucas I, I Van Ness Jeff, too. Lucas Van Ness has been terrific. Um, John Wagner, I think has had a really solid season. Um, they Noah Shannon, I think has been, been good as well. Um, White Black uh, has, has kept coming and kept improving. Um, they've got a lot of guys there. Uh, they've just, mm. they, They've got to be able to win first down, though. They can't. Um, Iowa can't. I always say a couple of things about Iowa. On offense, they can't live in third and eight, and they can't uh, on defense. They can't. Uh, they can't live in in, in third and three. Uh, yeah. Just it's just tough for them to do. They've got to. They've the defense has to. If the defense lives in third and eight, uh, that they're going to win. They're mm-hmm. going to win those battles. But if they're having to live in third and short. Uh, it's tough for them. And same thing on offense. I mean, I was just not built to win third and eight battles on offense. They're just not. No. And you look at Nebraska, the big issue that the defense had was on first down. Yep. Where is something crazy. Like I think like eight yards, I think it might've been per first down attempt for Nebraska, which is insane. Like, okay, it's going to be pretty hard to win football games like that. And obviously a couple of big plays, skews the average a lot but still you know it's a tough way to win games that way and their their um, rpo game was was killing iowa for a while i mean some others oh, yeah. was just that mesh was just really good and he was making good reads on that and and uh he was getting getting away from them and i was afraid of that because they just you don't know how good he is you don't have a feel for him oh uh, yeah when you don't have any film yeah when you and i have thrown going into that game, three fewer Big Ten passes than he did. <laughs> you know, yeah. and you don't want to see my spiral. No, mine either. Mine, <laughs> mine left a long time ago. <laughs> so, you know, that is one benefit with this Michigan matchup is, okay, at least there's plenty of film of what the Wolverines are going to do. It isn't like it's this kind of mystery, oh, what could Smothers be? What might not he be? Yeah, can he throw it? You know, we we know what they're going to do. Uh, what Michigan's going to do? They're going to uh, run Haskins. They're going to run Quorum. Um, the Edwards kid's pretty good too. Um, they're going to run guys, and they're going to play power football. And I think that's what Jim Harbaugh wants to do. I think that's where he he likes to be. Is um, that's his identity? That's that's the Michigan football that he grew up on when he played for Bo Schembechler is power football, run the football. Um, you know, I, that's what they're going to do. And it's going to be uh, who, who can win the lines of scrimmage. That's who wins that game. It's just, it's really that simple. Well, any score prediction yet? Um, I'm probably going to end up picking Michigan. I just think they've, they're kind of, 
living that way. But I, you know, I do, Harbaugh said something the other night when we were on that um, on that uh, teleconference with them that yeah. really resonated with me and talked to some of the Michigan guys. They're kind of concerned about it too, and it's that that game last week was like the U.S. Olympic team, Olympic <laughs> hockey team in 1980 when they beat the Russians, oh, yeah. and everybody forgets that. Um, they had to come back and, and uh, beat uh, uh, Finland, I think it was, for the gold medal two days later. And, you know, the, the scene with Herb Brooks, if you don't win that game, you're going to take it to your take it to your grave kind of speech that he gave to the team. Uh, so I think you'll see a little Herb Brooks speech from <laughs> from uh, Jim Harbaugh, probably to his team to get them fired up because they're, you know, Beating Ohio State's it's almost it's funny that winning uh, against Ohio State might be bigger to them than winning um, a national title <laughs> just because it's so big up there. You know, beating beating Ohio State is just so big. Uh, oh yeah, program. the game. It's the game. It's the game. But this is uh, you know I I just think they're playing at a, a little higher level. But I'm not counting Iowa out mm-hmm. at all. Because I could, I, it would be the most Iowa thing ever. You know? And we've seen a lot of most Iowa things ever this year with how, like, look at how they've won the last two games with like one offensive touchdown and a, you know, a kick return or a block punt and a bunch of field goals. And, you know, it's just, that's how they've been winning games is, uh, you know, a defensive touchdown with Jack Campbell against Illinois. I mean, that's how they've been winning games, right? And, yeah. And they probably would it would it shock me? No, it wouldn't shock me if they walk out of there, you know, twenty four to twenty winners um, on Saturday night, just doing the little little things to get the job done. Yeah, and likely a strong third and fourth quarter to do it. And yep, you know the things could fall into line. I don't think it will. My score prediction for right now, now I may change my mind another two times before arriving in Indianapolis. But right now I'm thinking 31-17 Michigan. Um, I think this team is just so good when you look at, and even with, okay, Cade McNamara is not the focal point of the offense. But when you look at his efficiencies, he's really thrown the ball well when they have turned to him. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so it's not like this is okay. Run the, they're just going to run the ball and they don't really have any passing game. Like how everyone thought Wisconsin would be before Graham Mertz had like the best first quarter of his life. So, <laughs> like it's not like they're a one dimensional offense either. No. And you mentioned the special team strength. I think that's another spot where, okay, Iowa's been able to capitalize. I mean, Nebraska doesn't have a full-time special teams coordinator. So when you have LeVar Woods, one of the best special teams coordinators in the country, going up against a team that doesn't have a full-time person on special teams, well, that's going to show. So, and I think the biggest thing is just going to be the Iowa offensive line versus the Michigan defensive line. If Iowa can pull it off, credit to them, but... I think it's going to be a tough matchup there when you have some guys who've been improving a lot, but it's still Jack Plum versus Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. No offense to Jack Plum, but I think most people would take 
Aiden Hutchinson in that matchup. Yeah, I think they probably would. Um, here's the thing I, I'm going to throw out there for Iowa fans. And that is, I think you empty the playbook in this game. And if you've got some gadgets, you got some surprises. I mean, why not play them? Why not do those things? Because this is kind of, no one expects you to win. So let's just, let's take a shot. Let's swing big and see if you can get that. And I think that's kind of the mentality you have to have is I'm going to try some things and it might blow up in, in, in Iowa's face and spectacularly fail. But at least you took the swing and you took the, you know, maybe some exotics, some trick plays, some, some different. Or like things. that Nico Regani Penn State yeah. play. Yeah, the halfback, you know, a halfback pass, the Philly special, like they tried to run in the, the <laughs> that game with the where Regani got blown up. But, uh, you know, run the Philly special, run, uh, run a double reverse pass, run some fun, just take a swing. I think this is the spot to do it because. Um, you know, there's, there's, they got nothing to lose. Yeah. I was playing with house money. They're not supposed to be here. You know, just, you're just go all in, put, push all the chips to the middle of the table, take your shot. And if it doesn't work out, oh, well, everybody's going to say, see, Iowa was who we thought they were. Okay. Well, that's fine. At least you took a shot. It's interesting. Then Valkenberg was saying to me yesterday about how you enjoy or how they rather be the underdog than the number two team in the country, which they're they've experienced both of those. And, you know, you don't have maybe the same heightened expectation. Um, I hate to use this cliche that Kurt Ferentz keeps on bringing up, but the outside noise, you don't (laughs) have as much of it when you're not getting asked how it feels to be the number two team in the country. So I think that plays into things as well. And um, before I let you go a big week next week, um, actually a week from today, as we're recording this with Xavier Nwankpa's decision coming up, deciding between Iowa, Ohio state and Notre Dame, Notre Dame is a little more interesting there now that Brian Kelly is gone. So maybe that narrows it down to two with Iowa and Ohio State. Yeah. You know, Iowa usually isn't in the running for those really top level recruits, but this could be a big get for the Hawkeyes come December 8th. Yeah, he is a, uh, Xavier's a, a, for fans who may not be aware, he's Southeast Polk High School. Um, He's a safety He's the top safety in the country, according to rivals, five-star player, um, could go anywhere he wants in the country. Uh, and Iowa, if you would have told me six, eight months ago, I, I would have said Iowa's probably got very little shot. I mean, they just, it just seemed like they were outside looking in, but they've just made up so much ground with him. Uh, I, I put in my future forecast for, for Iowa. I did that a while ago. I think I was probably the first person that, that put my neck on the line for that. And uh, we'll see if I'm, I'm an idiot or, or, or if I'm uh, a genius in a week, uh, <laughs> but it just felt like it was trending towards him. They were, um, he was at the, um, at, at the Penn state game. And, and I, I think you were down there by, yeah. we, were, we were down there and I was just like, yeah, there he is. And he's <laughs> all the players were coming off and hugging him and, Caden Proctor, his teammate, five-star offensive tackle in the class of 2023. He was standing right there. And uh, Kyler Casper, Kevin Casper's son, 
and Kevin was standing there with us and he was like, just, just watch, just watch, you know, <laughs> we're, we're watching those guys come off the field. And, you know, I, the thing that will always stick with me is Linderbaum coming off and grabbing Proctor by the shoulders. <laughs> say, you're, you're coming here. This is why you come here. And he just smiled and nodded his head. Um, but yeah, they're Notre Dame, obviously probably out now. I would think yeah. they're certainly out with, with, why Brian would you Cole. commit if you're a top level recruit to Notre Dame right now, when you don't know who the coach is going to be? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's I not going to be they, the coach that you build a relationship with. Cause about a month ago, it seemed like it was Iowa and Notre Dame with Ohio state fading, but now maybe Ohio state's picking up some ground They're I know they're coming in uh, to visit him. Uh, this week, Iowa, obviously, Tyler Barnes sent out the tweet uh, this week. Hey, we're busy. <laughs> hint, hint, <laughs> wink, wink. Uh, so we're not going to be on the road. Uh, we'll be out next week. So um, Ohio kinda, State doesn't have that problem this week. Buckeyes do not have that problem. They thought they would, but they don't. Uh, you know, they thought they would uh, be away. But I was going to get in there probably Monday. I would guess Monday or Tuesday. Uh, I would guess Monday, though, they'll probably do an in-home with him and and sit down with, uh, with him and his family. Uh, but I still, you know, I still think it's, I was the team to beat. Um, I think they've done a really good job of, of recruiting him. I think being a big fish in, in this pond is probably more attractive to him than being just a, a, another fish <laughs> in the Columbus pond. Yeah. You know where you I mean? have how many five-star recruits there every year. Plus yeah. the NIL. That's, 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 that's where I was getting, that's where I was getting was the NIL opportunities at Iowa will be more substantial, I think, than, um, you know, five-star safety coming into Ohio State. Although, you know, they, they did give Quinn yours like a million dollars or somebody, you know, <laughs> somehow he got a million dollars in NIL and Quinn yours hasn't played a down at Ohio State, the quarterback who's, I think, like the third <laughs> string quarterback. So, um it's just it's wild it's just how it's going to be um but I think those opportunities have been sold to him as well just in terms of the process that there's going to be opportunities for him I mean you look at what um what Caitlin Clark's doing you look at what Spencer's oh, yeah. doing uh you know making some money off the you know, the, the Caitlin Clark thing I mean that's got to resonate with him as a central Iowa kid that oh hey, yeah there, there's a high V partnership there for me uh if I you know build this thing right and that's that's and Clark was the first athlete yeah. too to yeah. make a deal with High V. So you know High V's focused on Iowa as opposed to their other Midwestern states. Yeah. And they're gonna find the athletes that are gonna create a buzz and he's gonna create a buzz. He's a he's a good kid, good talker. So we'll find out uh next uh, on the eighth uh late afternoon what uh what he's going to do, but I, I'm still at this point uh, saying Iowa. Uh, I could change that if I hear something different, but right now I think the Hawkeyes are the team to beat. Well, if to our listeners or viewers, if you're if Tom is right, send all of the um, think of his prediction first. If <laughs> it's not them, if it's Ohio State, well, forget Tom's. Let, yeah. Just think about all the other people who picked that's, Iowa too. That's when that's when you say that the you know uh, broken clocks right twice a day, right? You know, I was, I was <laughs> right, but more more often than not, I'm wrong. So I'm I'm not good I'm not good in the prediction business, but you know I, I put myself out there on this one. So um, we'll see. 
if it works out for me or if it's uh, if it doesn't. And I think here's the other thing. I think if they get Xavier, they're in great position to get Caden Proctor and they're in great position to get Kyler Casper. I think those two will, um, what a will trio. follow. So that's, that's my, that's an even bolder prediction. If, <laughs> if it works out for Iowa, I think this is going to be a nice little stretch for them. I don't know when those other guys will commit, but I, I think the trend would be, um, I may put in uh, some future forecasts for both those guys to Iowa right after that. Well, it'll be interesting to see. Time will tell. Yeah. Um, Tom, thanks again for joining me. I love coming on and talking about this stuff, John. You're doing a great job at the Gazette. And Thank uh, you. happy to have you on the beat. Thank you. I appreciate it. I will see you in Indy. Yes. My next guest on the Hawk Off the Press podcast is Angelique Shangelis, the Michigan beat writer for the Detroit News. I got that pronunciation right. You did, John Steps. Yes. Steppy. It's John Steppy. Yes. Yes. Two for two there. <laughs> so yeah. got an interesting themselves on the back. <laughs> well, we have an interesting game coming ahead on Saturday. For somebody who's listening to this, who's been seeing a lot of Iowa, probably not a ton of Michigan in the East. What's kind of the scouting report of this 2021 Michigan team? Well, I think Gary Barta on the college football playoff conference call week after week, I think he's described it best. The committee thinks of Michigan as a, as a complete team, a balanced team. And I think that's fair. Um, I, I think a lot of analysts have just looked at me. There's nobody that, yes, Aiden Hutchinson stands out, but it's, it's just kind of this running physical that's the, the, the identity of this offense. Cade McNamara runs the show. He's nothing flashy. And you've got Hassan Haskins, who just is coming off a five-touchdown performance against Ohio State. So they run the ball well. The offensive line protects well. They, you know, given up, I think, nine sacks this year. And uh, they lead the country in tackles for loss, fewest tackles for loss allowed. And then on the defensive side, you've got these, these – edge rushing duo of Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo and they're pretty impressive and and I think that that's that's pretty much this team I mean they've been very um very just very balanced John and you know the one thing that has impressed me because I've covered this team for a long long time (laughs) under under Jim Harbaugh I think the knock was always fourth quarter finishing in November and this team has done that obviously and then that was I think started at Penn State they had a little uh, adversity and they quickly overcame that. And, and that's when I started thinking, okay, maybe this, maybe Harbaugh's finally got the recipe here. And it seems like Aiden Hutchinson, he's unlike any other pass rusher really in college football. He is. I mean, he's extremely athletic. I mean, this guy works out so hard and, um, and, you know, for, I hate to reveal my age here, so I won't, but I covered his father. The first team I covered, his father was a senior, and he was the defensive lineman of the year in the Big Ten that year. He had 11 sacks that season, and here's Aiden who grew up with that, a dad with, with four Big Ten championships, championship rings and you know, 4-0 and 1 against Ohio State, and, and Aiden had those rings in a shadow box on his bedroom wall. 
So this guy has always been geared toward being the guy at Michigan and, and doing what he's doing this year. But on the field, he is, he's just everywhere. I, I mean, I was watching him on Saturday and just like, okay, he's over here on the right side. The ball's over here. He's finished doing And he just, he, he races over to the ball. I'm like, how did he get there so fast? So he's, he's got the speed. He's got the agility and, you know, he's into yoga. His sisters are into yoga, his mother. So he's very flexible. I mean, he's just, he really prides himself on, on being the complete athlete and, and that goes to nutrition too. So I think that whole combination has really helped him achieve the season he has achieved so far. And then it seems like Ajabo doesn't get quite as much of the national attention on the other side, but statistically he's having quite the 2021 as well well and consider this john he didn't start playing football until his junior year in high school i mean he came to the united states from scotland and he he was a soccer and basketball star in scotland and then he you know like oh hey okay play some football and he is a physical specimen i mean there's no doubt and it's it's hard to imagine how far he can go. I mean, the upside considering, you know, how, how few of the years he's played and, you know, he comes in a lot on third down. So he's not out there as much as Aiden is not playing a full game, but I mean, 11 sacks, the two have combined for 24. I mean, what a duo. I, I think that's intimidating for any, any uh, opposing offensive coordinator. And I asked Michigan's offensive coordinator about it the other day about prepare, you know, practice facing these guys. And, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty intimidating to see those, to see Ajabo and to see Hutchinson. And it seems like the interior of the defensive line can hold their own as well. Yeah. And they got better. And that's a good point because that was sort of the, the question mark coming into the season. There were a lot of question marks on defense. I mean, there's a brand new uh, defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, who came from the Ravens. But you're right, the interior had been an issue in the last few years, and they're getting really good play out of Chris Hinton and Mozzie Smith. And you know, I think Mozzie Smith was challenged before the season to, to finally live up to the goals he has set for himself. And he feels pretty confident. We had a chance to talk to him after practice on Tuesday. And you know, he just feels like his game has so much more to, to show. But um but yeah, I mean that 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 was uh, that was something that was lacking, and they've really gotten good production out of the interior. And then offensively, it seems like this is a team that really is run first offensively, and then Cade McNamara kind of complements that with kind of effective, good enough passing. Exactly, and he's just he's really I, I think the thing that when people were harping early in the season of after the. You know, he had 44 yards passing against Washington. I mean, they were running the ball. They were establishing themselves as a physical run first team. And, you know, everyone wanted J.J. McCarthy, the freshman, the hotshot, the five-star. And I kept saying people are undervaluing the fact that he doesn't turn the ball over. And at that point, he hadn't. His first interception was at Nebraska. And, and now he has three this season. He had one against Ohio State. And, you know, I, I just think that's something that you really need in a quarterback and Michigan, the last few years had had turnover problems, not just from that position, but generally speaking. And, and, you know, if you, if you have turnovers, you get in big holes like they did last year and Josh Gattis's offense isn't designed at least not with the talent they had last year to, to come back from that kind of deficit. So I think they've, with K, they've been able to start fast. They've been able to build leads for the most part. There are a couple of times they've trailed. 
and and have been able to come back. But you know, I think he's steady. That's all I, you know, I, that's the word I keep using. He's steady. He's extremely confident, John. I mean, I haven't seen a kid this confident at quarterback in a, in a while. Wow. Shea Patterson was here and that was a few years ago. And, um, you know, and the, and the players believe in him and they're not asking him to go out there and be, uh, you know, Joe Montana. They're, they're asking him to run the offense and, compliment with this running running team that they have with Hassan Haskins and, and Blake Quorum and, and now the freshman Donovan Edwards. And then it seems like it could be a good matchup then between McNamara, who doesn't turn the ball over much, and Iowa's secondary, which they call the Doughboys because of so many interceptions. Um, so that'll be an interesting thing to see. Oh, I, I, yeah, I think that's really impressive what, what Iowa has done and, and it will be interesting to see. And people keep asking me about that. Like, you know, what if Michigan gets a couple turnovers? And I said, well, I mean, unless it's a pick six, I said, then, then Iowa has to face Michigan's defense. And, and I'm not sure yet how I was, how proficient they are and, you know, how, how efficient they are on offense. So, you know, I, I think, you certainly don't want to turn the ball over if you're Michigan, but if you have a couple turnovers, I, I still think that they can overcome that. But yeah, I would, I, I'll be interested, interested to see what they do to counteract that and to, to keep it out of Iowa's out of Iowa's hands in terms of interceptions. Cause that, that is such an impressive statistic. And it's funny that you mentioned being unsure about what Iowa's offense is going to do efficiency wise, because I think a lot of Iowa fans are, Still pretty unsure about what that's going to look like. Special teams wise, it seems like Michigan, now Iowa is used to seeing pretty good special teams play, but it looks like they could kind of meet their match in the special teams department on Saturday. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up, John, because I, I bring that up a lot too, because people do tend to focus on offense defense, of course, and, and Michigan special teams have been very impressive and, and they're directed by Jay Harbaugh, John's son, who moved from running backs to tight ends in the off season. And he's done a really good job and they've thrown in some trickery stuff here and there. They've had a couple block punts. They've got a really good returner in AJ Henning. I mean, he, he needs to be better, but he's, he's done a really nice job. And um, yeah, I mean, they've got Jake Moody was named the big tens kicker of the year. And you've got uh, Brad Robbins, the punter who I, I think he's been a little undervalued. I think people who follow Michigan know, know how good he is and what a weapon he is. But he is—he's um, been solid, and you know they obviously didn't have to use him very much uh, <laughs> last week, but uh, at all. And you know, I, I think that Jake Moody has been kind of the unsung hero for this this team, keeping them in games. Like at Nebraska, I know you were just there. They Michigan had six red zone trips and came away with four field goals. They did the same thing at Michigan State, and they lost that game. But again, you know, he's steady. He gets those he gets those points for them when they actually need touchdowns, but. He is, he's been, uh, he's been sort of a nice ice in the veins guy this year. And then in terms of kind of switching back to defense, what should Iowa fans expect to see out of Michigan secondary? Well, I mean that I keep saying, you know, they've been really tested. Have they been tested? And, and I, they obviously had a test against Ohio state last week. And I thought they did a really nice job. I mean, Dax Hill is the guy who will be the focal point. I would imagine, um, but there's DJ Turner, a guy who's really come on in this, this last, this last month, Rod Moore, a freshman. I mean, a young guy who's really just, he has excelled 
because he has studied so much film, he's really throws himself into that. And he's now translated that to, to per, really solid performances. He had a good one against Ohio State. So, you know, I keep, I, I, I keep scratching my head and saying, do we really know a lot about Michigan secondary yet? Because you get every, the focus, the focus is on Aiden and, and Ajabo. And, uh, but I think that they're, they are solid. I, I don't think, you know, they're, they don't have the interception numbers. They don't have that kind of, that, those kind of stats that, that Iowa has, but I think they're solid. And, and I think that Dax Hill is a guy who doesn't have the numbers, the stats to back him up, but he's, he is extremely versatile and, and he has been uh, very important for them in, in the back end. And then is there any kind of hangover from having a big win considering how much that Michigan Ohio state rivalry means? I don't think Iowa fans totally get the full, experience of how important the game is Uh, yeah it really is you're right john i didn't mean to interrupt you but it does mean everything here in 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 ohio and and for michigan so is there any hangover there when you have to go now and play an iowa team that is probably a lot more under the a lot might be an understatement under the radar compared to ohio state no, I mean, that's an extremely reasonable question to ask because, you know, you, if you had seen the field and, and how the fans stormed the field and the players were taking it all in. and But I have to say, and again, I've covered this team, this program for a long time, and and you will find too, I think, every summer the players will say, yeah, it's the closest team I've ever been around and now oh, we're focused. And I, it's like everybody says it, but it really felt like that's been the case and they've been – really focused game to game. And um, I know that's a cliche, but they really have done that. And it's, it's felt like a business trip every time they've had a game, every game weekend, uh, they zero in. I, I think talking to players after practice Tuesday, they said they flipped the switch after 24 hours and came into the building Monday, watched film, put Ohio state to rest and, and then focused on Iowa because they know that you know, there's so much for them to play for on Saturday, not just the big 10 championship, but, but a playoff berth. And then, um, 24 hour rules is going to sound familiar to Iowa fans. I think during that six and O start, the over under was three times had come up in post game press conferences <laughs> each week. Um, do you have a score prediction yet? I don't. I, you know, it's really bad. I should have thought about that. I'm like too busy being scattered about covering stuff. It, it, <laughs> I think Michigan wins this game. I, you know, I don't know what the point spread is now. I think it's probably 10, 10, 11 points. I, I have a feeling it's not, I don't, I don't think Michigan's going to cover. I think it'll be a tight game. I think both defenses will be really, really tough. And, um, but I, I do think Michigan wins you know, by a touchdown. I, I think that's, that's, as far as I can go right now, John, don't put, don't put score in my mouth. I had to do it last <laughs> uh, before the Ohio state game. And all I came, I, I just said 42, 35, I don't know, but so, you know, <laughs> close. I hit the 42. So, um, but I thought Ohio state would win. So, um, but I do think that, that this Michigan team has uh, an incredible amount of confidence right now. And, and I think when you're talking about the hangover, I think Aiden Hutchinson is the key here. I mean, he's so, supremely focused on on what he wants this team to achieve and and they have this uh, leadership council now this year that's that it's it's all player run and they really have kept each other in check and and i suspect that they've kept their emotions in check this week 
Well, thanks for joining me on the Hawk Off the Press podcast. Well, John, thank you. And, um, you know, you can tell people you made fun of me because I have an AOL address. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. We'll do this again. I'll forgive you. I'll I'll forgive you for that. (laughs) I am guilty. I confess. That's all right. I just Hopefully will not too you many listeners have an AOL account. <laughs> I apologize to all listeners who still use their AOL account. That's okay. I sometimes I just... use a Yahoo one. So. <laughs> well, I just won't speak to you on Saturday at the game. So I'll just... <laughs> well, that'll be my, my plan. <laughs> well, thanks again. And I will see you Saturday in Indy. Safe travels, John, and I'm looking forward to a a really, really fun game. Got some good questions from our text message update subscribers. So Eric asks if I have snap counts for the defensive line, because it seems like they've been out there a lot for some, a lot of big plays. And I do, I was looking at pro football focus, which tracks that. And Zach Van Valkenburg has been out a lot on the field. Um, there were 65 plays, according to media stats from the Nebraska game, that Nebraska was on offense for. And then out of those, 62 snaps on the defensive line and one more in the box for Van Valkenburg. The rest of the defensive line hasn't been out there for quite as much, but still a decent workload. Wagner is at 39 on the defensive line, Shannon at 30, Logan Lee at 30. So yeah, they're Zach Dam Velkenberg will probably be feeling it. Um, you know, it's a lot of work for him, but at the same time, that's maybe where there's a little bit of a benefit to having that extra day with the um, Friday game versus a Saturday game or a Friday game before a Saturday game. So you get that extra day that probably won't hurt in terms of that recovery. Reese asks where the Hawkeyes will play when they win. Well, Reese, I appreciate the confidence if they win. Um, I'm not going to quite say when, but if they win, um, they would go to Pasadena for the Rose Bowl. If they lose, which frankly I think is probably the more likely possibility, they would go to the Citrus Bowl in Orlando, which would still be a very good bowl game, one that Iowa hasn't been to for a while. Obviously not quite the same as a Rose Bowl. It has a different ring to it. Then Matt asks if Iowa's going to bring an extra tight end to block Hutchinson. I think that's a great point because um, as Matt points out, um, Hutchinson is the best pass rusher Iowa will have seen, and it probably won't even be close in terms of how good Hutchinson is. So maybe does that mean a tight end comes in? I could see that. I could see Tyler Goodson doing a lot of pass protection as well. Um, Spencer Petrus was really complimentary of Tyler's pass protection lately when I signed to him on Tuesday. So that's another possibility. Um, but yeah, I think if you have Hutchinson and a lot of single team coverage on the offensive line, that probably not go too well. But Iowa has some options in terms of what they'll do. 
Um, I think the biggest challenge is it's not just Hutchinson, it's also Ajabo on the other side. Um, as Angelique was talking about previously in the podcast, that, you know, this is a really good defensive line here for Michigan. So I think that's where the game will be won or lost for Iowa, is really going to be that Iowa offensive line versus Michigan defensive line. So it'll be interesting to see what exactly is in the game plan there for the Hawkeyes. And then Mark gave me a laugh with this question. Um, will anyone mind if I close my eyes until it's over? <laughs> well, I don't think anyone's going to mind. I think there's a chance, though, that you might not want to miss it. There's a chance that Iowa really can be competitive in this game. Um, they are a double-digit underdog, last I checked. Um, my score prediction so far is 31-17. Um, maybe I might see something to change that, but... Yeah, it's going to be a tough matchup for Iowa, but also I think it's important to note that these games don't happen very often, and simply even being at this stage is pretty special for Iowa. Well, for any team, um, the only Big Ten West team that's been to the stage more often than Iowa since this game started in 2011 is Wisconsin. So it's you know, it's a pretty unique thing where Northwestern's been there, um, Nebraska's been there, um, as hard as that is maybe to believe, considering the last couple of years at Nebraska. But there aren't too many teams that get to this stage. So it's a special moment for Iowa. Even if it's a loss, you know, it's still something that this senior class will have accomplished that they didn't accomplish in their junior, sophomore, or freshman years. So I think that's another important thing to keep in mind, even as Iowa shows up as a double-digit underdog with some kind of big questions looming, whether it be offensive line versus Michigan's defensive line or some other ones, is, hey, this is a pretty cool opportunity for the Hawkeyes. So doesn't happen every day, doesn't happen every year. So kind of throwing it back to 2015. So thank you for the great questions. And I'll be back with an edition of After the Final Score with Mike um, after the game. It could be a rather late recording of the podcast considering the late start time, 8 p.m. Eastern time. So um, that will be out though this weekend. Um, thank you all for following along with the regular season coverage over the last several weeks and we will talk Hawks later. Mm-hmm.